you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 132 of the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes and at nfl.com/sheck. S H E K Studio 66 has a vacant chair in it. To my immediate right, one Mr. Adam Rank is absent because he's under the weather. If you listen to episode number 131, he he sounded under the weather. He, in fact, did not show up. Will he get Wally pipped? I don't know. Will he get Alex Smith? <laughs> I don't know. But we have three candidates seated before me here in Studio 66. Two of our old pals from around the league. Get ready, Flames fans. Dan Hanzoos. And Mr. Fancy Pants, Mark Sessler, and today is a special treat. All the way from the Big Apple, their boss from around the league, Greg Rosenthal. How are we, fellas? And I start with the boss man. Doing well. I mean, I, I'm i just worried about rank. Does he have concussion-like symptoms or something, the Alex Smith comparison? Um, I think he's <laughs> got the skill level of Wally Pip. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means. Was Wally Pip good? I have I no idea. I think he was pretty good. Was or good. Else yeah. It wouldn't have been as effective a story. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. How are we, Hanzoos? Uh, we're doing well. The boss is here, so there's a little bit of uh, you know nervous tension in the room. Mm-hmm. We want to impress him. Has by the good way, good luck to both of you guys, Sessler and Hanzoos. I feel fine about it. Has Greg heard the theme song for the for the? Debate club. Well, you know what? Or the ATL boys. That's a that's a good idea. Let's let everybody listening right now hear the song for the Around the League Debate Club. Hand Zeus and Mr. Fancy Pants. The Flames need NFL news, and here's their chance. It's ATL Around the League. Light of flame, boys. Pig skin's hot tonight. Burn, baby, burn. There you have it, Greg Rosenthal. Your thoughts? Why are they the Flames? Because ATL. <laughs> what is ATL? That's your. That's your. The, the little abbreviation you guys use. ATL. What does that say, say to most people? Atlanta. Well, if it's Atlanta, we can't go with Falcons or Braves. That wouldn't make sense for their fan club. Then people get confused. Are they rooting for those teams? So we had to go dip into Atlanta's sports past and their old hockey team the flames done and done but who knows that well no one knows it and on top of that and i've made this clear several occasions we never signed off on this this is just something that dave pushed through legislation and then all of a sudden it was in our theme song and then it was over all right so greg rosenthal we last saw you uh down in nola and we had some wonderful food together and we had good times and we watched that super bowl and i should uh, let everybody know 
we are going to be talking with one of the victors in that Super Bowl. Running back Ray Rice is coming up in just a little bit here on the show, and we'll catch up with uh, with him and how he's been celebrating and so on and so forth. First, though, it seems to me, and I look over at you, Mark Sessler, and you're a Browns fan, and uh, you know, to to the exclusion of all other sports, you've announced you only really care about football, NFL football, and your Browns, and you cannot, you don't have the time or the stomach or the energy to devote to any other sport, true? Yeah, some combination. I think he excludes his family, too, in that. It's, just, it's a pure <laughs> so be it. scenario. So no, be it. I, mean, I think because I have a family, I have two kids <laughs> under the age of two, uh, it's my time to sit around and watch sports on the couch going from one to the other is limited. That's happened to me the last couple of years, too. My my Red Sox, Celtics, Yukon Huskies fandom is all sort of fa- falling away. It is bad, but I will say I feel like, you know, Valentine's Day is here, but... <laughs> Father's Day, I feel like I, I feel like DVR deserves some sort of award from fathers everywhere. You know, if we're going to honor fathers and mothers and grandparents, and then Valentine's Day, we talked about that on 131. That hokey, this this hokey of hokey uh, holidays. Should, we should have a DVR. We should on if we're going to honor people and, and, and things. Let's honor DVR. We have Arbor Day to, to honor trees. DVR makes us all better parents, doesn't it? Because I get to DVR games as long as I can avoid text messages and, and smartphone technology. I can spend until the kids go to sleep, you see. I don't have to know what's going on in the game. And then I watch it at night and on Fast Forward, Father of the Year, true or false? There was one Thursday night game. Because Thursday night football was often ripe for DVR. When you're, If you have kids, you have other stuff. You, you started, I'm an hour behind everyone. Forgot I was DVRing this scenario, even letting the commercials ride out. I'm texting about the game. <laughs> I'm an hour behind, totally tone-deaf yeah. string of texts, no retweets, no responses. I just look like a man who's completely lost his, his gourd. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is weird. I do get caught up in that space-time continuum as well. Yeah, I try to fast-forward it. If, if it's a big playoff game or whatever, I try to catch up. To, yes, because well, how could the world possibly watch a football game any longer if Damashek isn't tweeting live? <laughs> and the worst, the worst thing that could ever happen with a DVR sporting event, and it happened to me, I think, during a Yankee playoff game this past October, is you – Record it. You're all in. You know it's late in the game, and then your DVR cuts off. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I once, devastating. My worst, uh, my worst uh, anecdote about that is: Do you remember? Is anybody a hockey fan? Are you Rosenthal? Not really. I know that uh, the other fellows around here are not. I the Pittsburgh Penguins played in two thousand. What was it? Nineteen, probably ninety nine ish, or maybe around two thousand. They played. I think five overtimes against the Philadelphia Flyers, and um, and Keith Primo scored the game winner in the <laughs> igloo. But I didn't see it because I put it on VHS. Kids, that you that you didn't used to have VHS. Yeah. It used to have DVR. It used to be on VHS, and the tape went out uh, about five minutes before the end of the game. <laughs> Just as well because it wasn't wasn't the result I was looking for. So, all right, listen, fellas. It seems if you're if you flip on the TV or the radio or go online on the sports pages these days. The big debate going right now is LeBron James and where does he rank? And yes, you know, all time. And as far as I'm concerned, what what he's doing now, he really should just perpetually run around on the court with that Michael Jordan against Portland in the finals pose of like, I don't know what's going on either because <laughs> this hot streak he's on is unparalleled in NBA terms. But now it has led to the, to the discussion 
probably prematurely because he still only has that one ring. Uh, is he now the best player of all time? My personal opinion is he would need to at least have a couple of rings before we can really accelerate that. But I do think physically he probably is the best or certainly the most distinctive because Michael Jordan looks like Michael looks like Kobe Bryant and vice versa. They're similar. So in terms of unique uh, cutting a unique figure and style of play and the speed and size and all that, I would say he is. But now let's turn. Well, before we jump to football terms, Rosenthal, is this fair to say LeBron is the best or, or have this, uh, to begin this conversation? It's LeBron, it, the best NBA player of all time. It seems insane to me. I didn't know people are talking about that already. Why would why would they be? You were on an airplane. Well, because he's playing. He's play, he, he, what but he's doing is historic right now. I mean, he's on a streak right now that is, in fact, historic in, in its prowess. But didn't Michael Jordan do all of that every night for years and years before he even won his ring? And then he won six rings. No. I, people I, were talking about him like that even before he won his rings, too. So he's done all that individually. To me, it just seems wildly premature. Well, the standard, though, once the once the standard um, moves, which is what Michael Jordan did, he raised the ceiling now. So now everybody who comes after him has to elevate to to match that. And that's sort of I hate to say it because, again, hockey and people hate when I make the comparison of Lemieux being better than Gretzky. But that there is an extra pressure now to live up to the hype. Is this guy the next Michael Jordan? When you, on top of everything else that you have to deal with, when you now add that element in those comparisons, it makes it even tougher and more admirable when you do elevate to that level. And so I do think, and when it comes to Michael Jordan, yeah, he was terrific before he won a title, but it's not as though his career was without, you know, without some question marks. He was a gunner. He was a gunner for the majority of uh, the early part of his career. Until Phil Jackson got there, that was the word. He's never going to win it all because he's a ball hog was the, was the word on the street on him. And the Bulls never got to the finals. LeBron was getting to the finals. He just wasn't winning when he was there. And he was doing it with arguably not just less, but much less than what Michael Jordan had. I mean, the, the, those Cleveland teams were putrid. And I said that before LeBron left Cleveland. People with hey, I like the supporting cast there in the Cavs. Uh, if, you, if you think it's all LeBron, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, really? Let's see what happens when, if LeBron ain't there anymore. How bad that team is, and I was proven correct. Sessler, LeBron the best of all time? No, I can't go there at all. I, I kind of agree with Greg here because I feel like Jordan changed the NBA and put it on the map. And it wasn't just his persona, but his persona also is part of it. I think that he made the players around him completely different on the court. I mean, what he what he did, I haven't seen LeBron do that. I think Jordan would love to come back and play LeBron, you know, in a in a series between these well, two certainly, teams. Jordan couldn't check LeBron. LeBron, well, I just could, think LeBron that, could check Jordan. I think that Jordan's, uh, his intensity to me just is unmatched. And LeBron is, we're, to, we're in a different time. I think standards are lower. Standards are lower. Yeah, I think oh, they're no. lower. The, I think the, we forget the, about the quality no. of play in the NBA. Oh, I think we in 2013 about it. is way better than it was when those Bulls teams were winning titles. But there's always a rush to say this guy's the greatest ever in the middle of his career. Why is there such a rush? Why is he any better than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Why is he better than Wilt Chamberlain? I mean, they where's Kobe? Let it play out a little. Bit. I agree with you that the youngsters. That is the problem. Is that anytime you put something like this to a poll, the the current guy is always going to win because youngsters have have no long term memory. Hanzus, how say you? 
I think LeBron could go down as the greatest player, but it's premature to say that. What does he have he to is. do to go down? Uh, he needs to play, you know, seven or eight more years of Hall of Fame level basketball and win one or two more rings. But uh, he's certainly on track, and I also I would put him. In, not that I'm a diehard NBA fan, but I, I do watch a lot, a lot, especially around the playoffs. Um, he's more fun to watch than anyone I've ever seen. Just wow. the way he plays the yeah, game. Yeah, he's greased lightning. He's he's a monster from the day he entered the league. He was a he, he was a, a super he cut a superhuman figure. Um, so. If that's uh, premature, though, it may be. I agree. He needs to get at least one more title before you can legitimately say he's the best player of all time. Um, but 10 years from now, 15 years from now, is there anyone in the NFL who maybe we're having this discussion about, or even in five years, that, because, you know, what was it, two years ago now, the NFL Network declared Jerry Rice the best player in NFL history. Do we still agree with that, Mark Sessler? As of today, yes, I would say. Jerry Rice, best player in, in NFL history. It's hard for me not to pick a quarterback, to be honest, because I'd have a hard time not picking Tom Brady. That's my personal opinion. Tom Brady. Opinion. Damn. It's my personal opinion. <laughs> I, I like mean, it. I, well, I, but it's a wrong opinion. What well, do you mean? He's I, just courting favor from his boss. No, right I now. would favor what a quarterback <laughs> has to do game in, game out, over what a wide receiver has to do. I have no problem with Rice being the most dominant wide receiver, but I wouldn't say he's the best player in the NFL history of the NFL. But Tom, but so, uh, f- all right, fine. So I understand it's the most important position, so you're going to go quarterback. But Tom Brady's the best one. Haven't we now? You talk about body of work and what he has to do. Haven't, hasn't, uh, hasn't that balloon been punctured now? I think he's surpassed Montana in my opinion. All right. It's weird how the championships color the opinion because there's no doubt in the world that Tom Brady has been a better quarterback from 2006 to now than he was when he won the three titles. Hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt. Right. So he won three titles, then he got a lot better and was one of the top two quarterbacks every year, let's say, for seven, eight year span. So I think you make the case. It's tough to it's tough to compare football. It is tough, yeah. It is I I realize it's hard. The, 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 but I think talking. you can make the case for Brady. If he had won one of those last two Super Bowls, we'd we'd be talking about him differently. If he wins another one uh, and gets there. Well, but yeah, you're right. That's a fair point you make, Rosenthal, which is uh, that Tom Brady. I mean, if basketball and hockey, you're one of five guys trying to score out on the floor at any given time. Obviously, the goalie is, is the sixth guy I'm talking about with that. But that's different than baseball, which is you're part of a lineup. In football, you're one of 11 guys out on the field only half the time or even less than that, including the special teams. But quickly, I, as, a, as a Patriot wonk, Rosenthal, who's more important to the so-called Patriots dynasty, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Brady. Brady's more significant. I mean, Belichick... I'm the biggest Belichickophile or whatever you want to call it in the world. Love, love everything about him. Read all the books, all that. But he's not going to win all these titles and win year after year without Brady. Having a great, great quarterback is more important. Uh, Bill Belichick, is he the best coach in the NFL or has he been supplanted by Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh? Definitely not John Harbaugh. I don't know why I can't give him enough credit. <laughs> What about right? Jim? Yeah. Consider it. Consider Jim's two-year run. Kyle Williams' knee keeps him out of the Super Bowl in his first year. In his second year, they certainly could have won this game. If he had won that one, I think the argument – I know it's a short window, but I think uh, the argument would already be over, right? I think if you're looking for one coach for one game and you 
give him any roster and you just figure out how to win, I would take Belichick, but Jim Harbaugh close second. I well listen. That's an I I I don't want to get off on track. <laughs> but get off track. But we really should have that conversation. I guess we already have had that conversation. But Bill Belichick in one game, he's played a lot of big games in January. The only big games are played in January and February, and he hasn't won that many of them in the last almost decade now. I don't understand why this, the in perpetuity, the idea that the Patriots are the empire. I understand that they're successful perennially, but you know what? A lot of teams are successful and make are in the playoffs. It's the it's the usual cast of uh, a characters that make it to January. Almost every year. It was an anomaly that Pittsburgh wasn't in it. Baltimore's almost always in it. Philly has always generally been in it. The Giants, the list goes on and on. Right, so. But Pittsburgh sometimes isn't in it. Three three times, let's say, over the last, what, eight okay. or nine years. There's all these teams sometimes aren't in it, but the Patriots are always in it. I mean, they have literally been tied for first, at worst, for 12 straight years. Would that be the case, though? And same goes for the Indi- New England and Indianapolis have benefited from this. Bum divisions. The best team that's been in the best team in the in the AFC East in the last decade, besides the Patriots, has been a, a couple of weirdo Jet teams with Mark Sanchez. Inexplicable seasons. I mean, that was a, that, whereas teams like Philadelphia and New York have each other always button heads, and the Cowboys, Steelers, and Ravens always have each other, and so on. There is no uh, equal to that. They're bummed these bum teams that they get to play. Jacksonville. Come on. <laughs> right? It's a fair point. Uh, not one I've thought about a lot, but you're right. The AFC is not very good. All right, let's get back. I'm sorry. I got off track. <laughs> let's go back. LeBron James, is there an NFL equivalent? Is he playing right now? Is there next season in five years or in ten years where we'll say, that guy is better than Jerry Rice or he's better than uh, Johnny Unitas or Joe Montana or Tom Brady or, or anybody else? Can I can I just spin it in a little bit of a different direction with this LeBron talk? I don't like getting off subject. That's but not it's my on thing. Subject. I always am right on point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, so I know LeBron right now. The reason why people are kind of going nuts about him right now is not just how well he's playing, but how efficient he is, mm-hmm. which is right. I think six straight games over sixty percent shooting. Well, he's not a center, and he's, he's making sixty yeah. percent of his shots. It's one thing if you're finishing everything at the rim, which he which he does quite a bit because he's able to gather the ball on the perimeter and, and get to the rim without obstruction. He's, it's amazing. Michael Jordan couldn't do that. Right. So I guess what I was thinking was what would be a NFL equivalent of someone that um, both dominated the game but also did it uh, in a controlled manner where it was an overkill. And I was just thinking of Adrian Peterson's season when he went through in the middle of the season where they were giving him around 20 carries a game, they mm-hmm. were kind of, it was efficient the way they were using him, and he was still putting up 150, 170 yards a game. I think that's somewhat of a parallel in terms of being used in a, an efficient manner and just still being dominant. Well, he's also a guy in 10, 15 years you asked that we'd be talking about as the greatest ever. He's a guy that has a shot. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Why not? It's interesting. Yeah, Peterson, not just the best running back, but Adrian Peterson could finish as the greatest NFL player, I suppose, because if he stays on course and breaks Emmett Smith's record, then he will not just have the – because to me, that that the numbers thing is, is – obviously near the top of the list of the most important items, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Witness the fact that 
Um, Fran Tarkenton has more passing yards than Joe Montana, and Emmett Smith has more rushing yards than Walter Payton or Jim Brown or or any number of other guys. Emmett Smith, I don't. I, uh, it's it's remarkable. In fact, here's what debunks numbers more than anything else. I, Emmett Smith. Does anybody if you ask anybody in the know hmm. what percentage of people say? Oh yeah, Emmett Smith's the best running back I've ever seen. No one, and yet he's the the leading rusher of all time. Yes, Sessler. Well, it was extremely. I think it's easy to forget how dominant he was, but he was on dominant on teams with fantastic offensive lines that you know knew how to use him. Game. And yeah, they they kept you honest with what was going on. I don't in the think he would game. make many top five running backs ever. Or maybe I agree. a lot he of people make would. my top five. He yeah. Make mine. yeah, he also he also sputtered out at the end. He didn't go out on top. I, I see. I don't see Adrian Peterson playing into a, into a late career where he's throwing up four hundred, five hundred yards a season as a utility man. In the backfield. Smith hung around to get that record. No well, doubt. Right, I mean, he hung around yeah. long after he was effective. If Tom Brady wins one more Super Bowl, then does he become the greatest QB? You're already saying he's the greatest QB of all time. Sessler, I get the impression, Rosenthal, you say he is the best. No, I'm not ready to say that yet. But if he does it another few years where he's in the MVP mix, yes. And it doesn't need a title to me because – if David Tyree doesn't make that play, but he or, did make I know, that play. I know, but and that happened with the early Super Bowl. But to me, that doesn't really take away from how good Brady's been. It, he's been the same whether that happened or not. So he's been a top three quarterback for a decade. If he does it a couple more years, yeah. You don't feel though, devil's advocate. I don't want to devote to because <laughs> people because Patriots fans and Ravens fans. Well, anybody who you say boo about, if you say anything negative, then you're a hater of that team. But so uh, so. That being said, Tom Brady, you don't feel like that there have been a lot of January games and February where he has not looked great, where he has not played his best in the last eight years. It's not like people people always say, oh, it's Belichick's defense, which is another conversation, that how is he a defensive wizard if he never has a, a top five defense in the last eight years? But the second part of that is that gets Tom Brady off the hook. Well, the offense is always rolling. Not really, though. I mean, the, That's the, true, but... So of every great quarterback. How did Joe Montana do for years after his last title and in the middle of his career? I mean, they weren't winning Super Bowls every year. If you're that good and you're in the big games, you're going to lose a lot of them. Johnny Unitas, all those guys lost a ton of big games. Also, I think, you know, you look pre-Randy Moss. I think Moss was like the first time the Patriots said, we're going to go get a weapon on offense that's going to be something that Brady's never had. Those Super Bowl winning teams, and yes, those weren't Peyton Brady's best seasons, but he did a lot with a little, and he did he did more than Peyton Manning did with more weapons in Indianapolis. I think people forget about that. Montana, that team, those teams were laced with offensive talent. That, well, not the one Jerry Rice. That that's an assumption I think that a lot of younger people make. That Jerry oh, Rice yeah. was always right there with. Joe no, Montana, wasn't. which he, he was wasn't. not. No. I mean, it was it was it was Freddie Solomon and Dwight Clark was who. But he was just like to. the same thing with, with the no Patriots, running back. With no, with they, they they had zero at running at running back. Joe Montana was was that team. He's well, he's the thread. the The analogy, the the proper analogy is Bill Walsh and Joe Montana versus Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. The idea that I mean, it's it, it's a more facile way to approach it, and I'm uh, guilty of doing it, but I, I like talking about dynasties, but it's really not an apples-to-apples comparison at this point because you're really talking about if a QB and the, and the coach can stick together long enough. And I'll take Walsh and, and Joe Montana in that matchup, clearly. No, you, 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 don't, you don't take that. Hanzoos, how say you? I would not 
bet against uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Wow. You know. <laughs> From a Jets He's fan. learned. Yeah, He's learned. I've, yeah. seen, I've ended up close with that dynasty, so, you know, maybe not as close as Yeah, but you beat that. Di- your, your bum Jets beat that dynasty. No one ever beat Joe Montana once he got to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's, uh, you know, is 0 for 2 in his But that's a good example of why you can make the case for the Patriots. Going into that year, no one had the pay- – that was supposed to be a bad Patriots team. You look up and down that team, it was a terrible Patriots team. The, the 2010 team that lost to the Jets. And yet they still somehow won 13 or 14 games. So when you can get to a point with your program or whatever where you win 13 games and get a one seed when, when it's kind of a rebuilding down year, I mean, that's pretty good. It is good. It's admirable, but it is the equivalent <laughs> of winning the Big East. It's, you know, what, what other other teams that get to the postseason more often than not are doing it by going through the equivalent of the SEC Tom Brady is doing it in the Big East. I think that's a, 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 a nice way of, of looking at it. All right. What about – here are my answers. Adrian Peterson is the one you're throwing out there. What about J.J. Watt? What about Von Miller? Does he go down as one of the all-time pass rushers? What about um, Calvin Johnson? And then the other thing is I throw at you for a larger uh, – what, what your opinion is on this subject – I feel like the story of the 2013 offseason is what happened. It can't be told until we see what happens when they get back into playing next season. But the big question is, wait, we heard from about week 13 on-ish, we, we heard, well, the defenses are going to adjust in the offseason. They'll break down the film. They'll solve Kaepernick and Wilson and RG3 and so on. They will take away the pistol, the spread formation, and so on. They'll be they'll they'll solve it, and those guys will come back down to earth. How you forecast 2013 has that that's your answer because if you think the defenses to some degree will solve it, then your picks are the Packers and the Patriots and teams like that. And if you think, oh yeah, Kaepernick is not a a one off phenom, then how then who beats the Niners besides the Seahawks? Rosenthal, how say you? So what's the question here? That do that- they do? Do you think that the defenses of the NFL will solve that, or is this something that goes on in perpetuity or for the next three years or or what? No, I think they're going to continue to have success. I mean, Sessler wrote a good thing on it yesterday, Greg Roman talking about they're not going to be the same next year either. Hmm. Kaepernick's not. Russell Wilson's not. They'll adjust. They're good quarterbacks. I think having using the quarterback to set up the run game like that and the threat, I think that'll be a part of it. It'll, it'll change, but I think they're going to be very successful. So wait a second. Let me get this straight. Sessler writes things? Oh, yeah. Attempts to. Cranky. Oh, yeah. Occasionally. Oh, no. He has a wonderful way with words. I love I love the way I do. I love the way Sessler turns a phrase. I admire it. <laughs> when He's, it doesn't have a spelling mistake two or three times in a well, sentence. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, but it, it, it does near pros. And I give you – but now I have to compliment Hanzus because <laughs> the boss is here, and I feel bad that – <laughs> What about Rosendahl? What about Sessler's assertion that Hanzus and around the league in general would uh, – would benefit from maybe, you know, a season off. No, I didn't say around the league in general. Oh, you didn't? No, I said – It would and benefit I, and I, By the way, what would I he do that – how would he spend that's the year? That's his concern. Let me, let me cycle back one quick because Dan is an, a gifted writer and a, and, a, <laughs> and a trusted colleague. I was in some sense, you know – there was some jest there, oh. but it would. I don't, don't, I, don't, I don't undo. So. Don't hey, try to undo. I think it would serve Dan well <laughs> to take a respite for a year, a, a you know a sabbatical year potentially. Couple of things: is this paid? 
No. You would receive a stipend. You, would, you wouldn't fall off the map in terms of you'd be nourished. Greg, would you be okay with this? Well, what's the point of it? So he would come back refreshed, some new vantage points. Um, I think we should send him down to, <laughs> to Sarasota or wherever Gruden is with the, ec- the Fired Coaches Association <laughs> and just spend the offseason there like as Gruden's servant, basically. You know, huh. set him up, get up at 4.30 in the morning, watch the tape, and then come back. And- what he needs, you know what he needs, that Rosenthal, what did I tell you down in, in NOLA? What what the NFL should do is embed a reporter in New Orleans <laughs> all 2013. To, I mean, this the Saints are going to be playing with the chip on their shoulder, like never, like no team has ever played before. And you're in the Big Easy, and all that, that all the voodoo going on down there. It could be a fascinating <laughs> novel. Why don't you go write your novel down there, no, and, and you spit, and we and we print your excerpts at, on NFL.com. It's funny you say that because when we, we might have the wrong guy here on the ATL team because when we were walking the streets in New Orleans one night a couple of weeks ago, um, Mark actually locked eyes on an, an apartment above a restaurant with one light on and like a ceiling fan, and it was like kind of like a romantic, romantically lit room. And he started to ponder what life would be like if he was able to just disappear <laughs> and take up residence in that place. Like he had, it was like a you had a I real love moment. It. It's That's a fair. fun, it's a fun fantasy. But yeah. he says he has two little boys. He can't do it. Hanzoos, you can. Do yeah, it. you can okay. do it. Be a be a modern day Stanley Kowalski. Let me talk to my wife and let me <laughs> yeah. see if this is something that's yeah, possible. Because to do it to do it right. You don't bring her. You go alone. Right. You've got to be down there alone. You couldn't. Yeah, yeah right. Um, all right, listen. Real quick, speaking of New Orleans, we have Ray Rice on the line. Let's catch up with him right now. Before we go to him, though, let me just say this to you, fellas. Here's my question. Joe Flacco, a big free agent out there right now. Um, but, of course, he's going to end up being a Raven. Uh, but think about this. Dream pairings. We wrote about it on NFL.com in the latest instant debate. Dream pairing of a free agent and the team that would be the most, I guess, interesting to see that guy on. Come up with your answers for that. Right now, though, let's go to the guy. Like I say, he has his first ring as a Baltimore Raven, the star running back of the team. It's Ray Rice. What's the poop, fella? Oh, man, I'm just hanging out. Uh, I'm hanging out with Gillette, actually, in New York City at mm-hmm. the National Kiss and Tell Experiment. And the results are in. It's around Valentine's Day. 85% of women prefer a smooth-shaven kiss. You know, I'm, I'm here for the football side, but, you know, it's Valentine's Day, and the ladies want a smooth-shaven kiss. And you know, I get to hang out with Gillette and Brooklyn Decker tomorrow, host, hosting the world's largest shave-and-kiss event in New York City, where we're trying to break two Guinness World Records, world's largest shave session, and most kisses in a minute by a couple. So wait a second. Let me get this right. So you and Brooklyn Decker are just going to make out all day for Valentine's Day. Is that right? <laughs> nah, we hosting oh. it. <laughs> oh, oh, I must have my facts wrong. Then. Nah, the missus wouldn't approve of that. <laughs> hey, did you shave? I was asking this before the Super Bowl. Did you shave on Super Bowl Sunday? I actually did. Did you? I, it's, it's a tough question because I'm a man who goes, you know, three days growth usually. Did Fla- Flacco shaved up too? That's a tough question. Do you go in clean cut looking or do you want to look real rugged and scary for your foe? Nah, I, I got to go in clean cut. I but, see. But now you out there, you actually see it. You know, a lot of people ain't shaving as much because of, you know, sensitive skin and stuff. And, you know, I actually, you know, Gillette got their new, introduced a new um, sensitive skin line with the, um, the Fusion Pro Glide and, 
you know, that sensitive skin feeling, you know, that's why people ain't shaving often, but, you know, we can help with that now. Excellent. Well, muzzle tub, of course, on the uh, on the Super Bowl there in NOLA a couple weeks ago now. And um, let's talk about the aftermath, and then maybe we'll work back to some of what happened in the game there. Crazy game indeed. But you fell off the float, or maybe you got pushed. True or false, Bernard Pierce pushed you. Nah, he didn't push me. I actually fell. (laughs) What a teammate. I'm, I'm blaming it on... I'm blaming it on the driver. The driver stopped short. <laughs> I'm out there embracing the fans, and I fell off the float. Okay, so the driver and Ray Rice. You don't? I mean, listen, that's pretty nice that you're not throwing your teammate under the bus. Bernard Pierce wasn't at the wheel there? I mean, he should have grabbed me and seen me mm-hmm. falling. I'm, I'm going to get him, too. <laughs> All right, so Ray Lewis, I don't know what he's up to right now. Is he? Do you know what his plans were? Was he going to take up golf, or was he going to play mahjong, or whatever retirees do? Have you heard from Ray since uh, since the big game? Yeah, I mean he's he's actually just enjoying himself right mm-hmm. now, enjoying his kids, enjoying his family. I mean, he doesn't have to worry about football, and I'm sure he'll be involved in football somehow, some way. But I'm I'm definitely I don't think he's going to. You know, call another shot and try to pull a comeback. You know, he, he's done. He's done all. He's done his deed. You know, and I think he's just enjoying this feeling right now of you know being a champion, knowing that he went out on top. Yeah, you think so? I mean, he's definitely done that because there were a couple of rumors going around. Oh yeah, he'll be back. You know, I think he is going to end up back on the field in 2013. No chance, right? I don't. I don't think no chance. Well, he they... made a deal with his son. His son's mm-hmm. you know enrolled at the University of Miami now. He he can't. He wouldn't miss that, you know, and I think that's where, you know, as much as he probably, you know, would want to play, I don't think that he would go against his deal with his son and his kids right now. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool to get to hang out and watch uh, watch your kid play at your alma mater. Um, what about when you guys, you go through the Patriots, you go through Foxborough to win the title game, and then, of course, you go into Heinz Field and beat the Steelers, what is what, what is the rivalry to you? Which is it? If, if I said to you, Ray Rice, for the remainder of your career, you are only going to beat the Steelers or the Patriots, and you will lose every game to the other team, which would you prefer to beat consistently? You know what? Um, I would prefer to beat the Steelers. Mm-hmm. You know, the rivalry is just very intense. Trust me, that rivalry is something that, you know, we know – we know the road to the playoffs. We know that New England's going to be there. Pittsburgh's always there, you know. And now you got to add the Denver Broncos. There's always teams that's, that's scratching that you know you got to go through. But that rivalry, trust me, is no better. It's no, it's no better feeling than knowing you got them twice a year, and you can, you know, if you beat them twice, then it's somewhat, you know, a good. You know, you got to finish the deal. But that's a good. That's a good thing for us. Well, Ray, I don't. I, I I feel like I should point out to you, in the name of full disclosure, I'm from the banks of the Three Rivers, Pittsburgh, PA. So I watched you as a Scarlet Knight run past the Pitt Panthers, and I've watched you uh, take care of the Steelers on more than one occasion. And I know that uh, that is a great rivalry. Maybe you noticed me. I was the guy. I, I had on a black in a gold shirt, and I was waving a gold towel. Did you see me up in the stands there? I didn't see you. Hmm. I got I got some grief this year for holding the towel. You know what? <laughs> That's that- right. Being that, like, I told him the reason why. Like, I actually traded my gloves with a fan, if you heard the story. I traded my gloves with a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But I said, I'm not one of the guys who's going to stomp your towel, do none of that. I actually 
you know, I, I've been collecting a lot of memorabilia this year. I said, I'm going to enjoy this ride. I traded jerseys with people, and I said, you know, what better feeling, like, you know, to trade a, you know, a fan, you know, my gloves for a towel that I can, you know, embrace in my basement of memories that, you know, over my professional career. How cool. Yeah, that is a great story. And you made out better. It sounds like you just had to give up a pair of gloves. I talked to TJ Hushmanzada, who once paid somebody $200 for a terrible towel. So, like I say, you made out way better than he did on that. Oh, yeah. No, nah, it was peaceful. I mean, you got to respect it. You got to respect the rivalry. And obviously, you know, we won our Super Bowl, but they won many. We, we still got a ways to go. Um, so who will I – will, I, I, my assumption is Joe Flacco and the Ravens are going to get a deal done. I, I, it seems like a foregone conclusion. Um, who will, though? Is it Ray Rice? Is it Joe Flacco? Is it somebody on the defense? Who steps up and fills the giant void of Ray Lewis's leadership? Well, I don't know if I can ever get up and uh, give the kind of speeches that Ray gave, but I don't mind being that vocal leader. We got some guys that, you know, it takes more than one, and, you know, we got some guys – you know, that can pull this thing together. One thing that we always depend on is that we work hard. So we, at a certain point, you know, that hard work got to pay off. And, you know, sometimes a lot doesn't have to be said, but Ray's speeches just really puts it all in perspective for us. And we're definitely going to miss that. And, you know, we're going to you know miss that emotional leadership that he's given us. But, you know, I've, I've had my fair share of good speeches. Hmm. And uh, I know how to give a few. I just don't know if I can give them on a daily basis. <laughs> what about, uh, speaking of emotion, the other side of that, a guy who seems pretty stone-faced, Jim Caldwell, Cam Cameron goes out, in comes Caldwell. Did he smile in the locker room even after the Super Bowl? Was that enough to evoke <laughs> some, some joy from him? Yeah, he smiles a lot. He's just very, <laughs> he's just very uh, soft-spoken. He's not a yeller. He's not a screamer. He's straight to the point and, you know, brings a lot of wisdom to our team. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool, and I know uh, you're on the record as saying the same thing, that Cam Cameron basically could have said a lot worse than what he said. Instead, he said that what, what a great thing it was for him to, for John Harbaugh to show him the door, and it really turned things around. I know you said as much yourself. But what practically did Jim Caldwell do with the offense that helped flip a switch there? Was it something X's and O's oriented, or was it a, a, a more philosophical sort of strategy? What, what was the difference that Caldwell made once he took over there? Well, one thing he did, um, we couldn't obviously put in a new playbook. Like, that mm-hmm. just couldn't happen at that time of the year. We ran the same plays, but what we did was, you know, Coach Caldwell's philosophy is very simple. Let's do what we do, but let's do it really well. And it was simple, and he just, you know, we stuck to the script. You know, he didn't change anything, but what he did was he changed our thought process on, you know, we work very hard as a group. Let's start showing the world that how hard we work. And it, it, it was great because he's he's straight to the point, and he's just, you know, hands-on kind of dude. And just, you know, we just have the utmost respect for him, you know, for what he's done for Joe and, you know, what he's done for our team. And we're glad to have him on board, you know, to win the Super Bowl with him. He's done it with the best. You know, he's done it with Peyton Manning. And, you know, it, it was great to know that, you know, he came here and did the same thing. All right, some uh, some let's get some quick questions with you, and uh, and then we'll let you go. Real quick, we talked to Brendan Ayambendejo, uh, our pal here on the show. He said you guys had food at halftime. I think that's uh, that's quite a thing. I didn't know they laid out a spread of food at, at NFL halftimes. What did Ray Rice eat? Ray Rice had about three oranges and a Gatorade. Oh, I heard there were sandwiches and there such. There was, there was, but I, I'm <laughs> I've never ate. 
and during halftime, and I, I, I can't mess up something that you can't just do something different, even though it was a longer halftime. I was pretty full enough before the game. I ate a nice pregame meal. Oh, what was that then? Maybe this is the secret for future running backs to hear. What do you hey, w- eat before the big game? Load up with some pasta. You'll be all right. I see. I see. And, dur- and during the half-hour blackout, did uh, did you say, hey, can somebody go get me a gumbo or something out of the stands? I'm bored down here. Yeah, I could have took one then. <laughs> we was we, we were sitting for an hour. <laughs> um, and uh, all right, this is the tough question. Did Ray Rice make 29 yards on 4th and 29? Hey, Ray Rice made 29 and a half yards, I think. <laughs> Listen, we've been on the other side of that. So with a good spot by the official, a little bit of hey diddle diddle, Ray Rice over the middle, up the middle, <laughs> a good block, by, good block by Anquan, got me the, um, I think, a play of the year. So I, I'll take that one. All right, I'll let you have your moment, Ray Rice, but do me a favor and tell everybody on the Ravens to do the same. I want lots of sandwiches, lots of gumbo, and everything else. All right, you have your ring now. Get fat and happy. Let the Steelers have their chance again at the AFC North. How about that for 2013? (laughs) Hey, you know we gotta. We, you know when you're at the top, the only place you go is down. We gotta sustain. <laughs> we gotta sustain our. You know, at the top right now, we're gonna enjoy this and get back to work. Hey, by the way, just real quick, more scared in 2013, or who's more? Who looks scarier on paper to you, the Steelers or the Bengals, who really look like uh, they're putting together a, a a dynamite roster there? Well, you know what, um, the Bengals gonna be tough. To, mm-hmm. You know, they're gonna be tough. They're gonna be tough to mess with. That I mean, that, that front seven they had was 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 crazy. Like, but the Steelers are always gonna be. That game is just old fashioned. It's the old school, hard hitting football game. But the Bengals are gonna be tough. Well, thank you and good luck against uh, both those guys. And uh, muzzle tough to you, Ray Rice, uh, one of the good guys in the league. And uh, happy for you getting that ring, even as a Steeler fan. And uh, like I say, 2013, what is it, five months away? Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns even aren't a joke, it looks like on paper. Boy, that North is going to be tough, but enjoy the offseason and, uh, and have a great time as a champion. Oh, thank you. He's a nice guy. I'll tell you this. Those Ravens are making it harder and harder with each passing visit with with them to hate them because they all seem like nice guys. They're not. They don't say things that are loathsome, even with the terrible <laughs> towel. He doesn't hate the towel. Like that was what I had. Well, you hate the terrible towel. No, he doesn't. He respects it. He's gathering it out of respect for the rivalry and for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dang, I don't like that. All right, listen. Make yourselves more unlikable, Baltimore Ravens. Now. All right, here we go. Back in 66 with the fellas from around the league where we left off in our conversation. Free agency is uh, just about here. Teams are, you know, guys like, I guess Ahmad Bradshaw is the biggest name to be kicked to the curb so far. Of the free agents out there, what is the most compelling destination for one guy? I start with you, Hanzoos. I would like to see um, a lot of – Greg Rosenthal is a huge Ryan Tannehill fan, and I was I was interested in what he did this year, but I wasn't necessarily sold that this guy is a franchise dude. I would love to see Mike Wallace down there, team him with an elite downfield threat, and see mm-hmm. what happens. Rosenthal, I I'll like say that. You. That would be fun. I yeah. like that one. Uh, I'm going to go. Well, he's not a free agent, but Darrell Revis. I mean, you mentioned guys who could, guys who could potentially move. Sure, you mentioned guys who could be looked at as one of the greatest ever. It's too early to say that, but if he put another five years together like he did the last five years, that's a Hall of Fame caliber cornerback. 
I would love to see the 49ers use some of those picks they have. They have a ton of extra picks. Their cornerbacks, their secondary, I think it was overrated all year. Their defense was not very good and supposed to be great. That would be a fun pairing to see the 49ers trade for him. Boy, oh boy, can you like imagine that. that with that dominant defense if they if you took away basically one side of the field? Sessler, how say you? I would like to see uh, Joe Flacco throwing the ball to Mike Wallace in Cleveland. Stop it. embarrassing. There's a better like, chance of you going to New Orleans and living in that apartment. AFC championships for the three of you. I would like to see, you know, a little bit. It's not going to happen. Have dignity, boy. You it's don't want to. What, what do you want to take the, the, the scraps of your divisional foes? No, come on. I'd enjoy it. That is like so, a storyline all of a sudden. The Browns are going to try to steal Ravens and Steelers because they can't be any more creative. I, they stole that. from us. They'll steal right back. Oh, boy. He wow. is One half of that. Place. Maybe you're right. But that's see, that goes back to the old Brett Favre on the Vikings. I, I under, Of course, Green Bay fans should dislike Brett Favre. I don't care what he achieved in, in Lambeau. If he turns his back on you, then, you know, listen, damn him is what you say. But if you're the Vikings, if you're a Vikings fan, who wants him on your team? Who wants who wants a root for the guy that you've that you've booed and and has caused you so much upset over the preceding decade? Do you want Mark Sessler? Would you like Ray Lewis on your team? Never. Would you like Ben Roethlisberger on your team? Sure. You would like Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, I, I have a lot of respect for Big Ben as a player. I think he could. I'd love to see it. You, you're, you're coming from the perspective of. You've been handed everything as a Steelers fan since birth. No, I've earned it. Well, you <laughs> try try looking through a different window, and you might you might welcome Big Ben. I would not, under any circumstances. I, all right, how about this? I like the Pittsburgh Pirates. If when, when I, well, I know that's not a good example because they don't really have a rival because they stink so much that they have. <laughs> Welcome to my the, world. They haven't earned the right to call anybody a rival. Uh, Here's what I was thinking along the lines of Mike Wallace, and you can look this up, the instant debate uh, on NFL.com. I said Mike Wallace to the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm not rooting for that, um, but that team I already have forecasted as the AFC North champion of 2013. Imagine, and they have all sorts of loot. Imagine if they got Mike Wallace and A.J. Green's on the other side. I don't know if that's better or even the equivalent of Julio Jones and Roddy White. Actually, I think it is. I think it's. I think it's probably a tick better because Roddy White's not uh, a burner downfield, and the idea that you could stretch both sides of the field and force safeties to make a decision on that, and then underneath you have Jermaine Gresham running, plus Muhammad Sanu. I mean, that would be an unstoppable offense, right? And plus, they have a good offensive line. Andy Dalton is the question mark. I guess, but so what? Now I don't care about those sorts of issues. Unless a guy is an abject bum like Mark Sanchez. <laughs> unless, unless, listen, unless you're Sanchez, what has Joe Flacco taught us? It doesn't make a difference. Alex Smith, again, should have been in the Super Bowl last year. Eli Manning has won two Super Bowls against Tom Brady. So the idea of makeup and all this sort of thing, unless you're just downright lousy, I think in the right situation, you know, 20 QBs out there can win a Super Bowl, and I would put Andy Dalton into Stop. that category. Stop. Andy Dalton's not one of the top 20 QBs? I don't think – well, I don't think 20 quarterbacks would win a Super Bowl, but it wouldn't shock me if he had a career somewhat similar to Mark Sanchez. Where do you have – well, where do you have Joe Flacco <laughs> you know? now? Where do you have Joe Flacco? He, now, Joe Flacco, because of three weeks, is now one of the, what, 10 best QBs? He, he would have already been one of the 10 best right, oh, right no, around no, there. Oh, no, 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 yeah. no. All right, now, now – all right, so do it. 
Go ahead and name them for me. Tell me who Joe Flacco. Name the QBs better than Joe Flacco, and I will uh, I will agree or disagree. We did this a few months ago, a couple months ago, with um, with Tony Romo, and he did not crack my top fourteen or fifteen. He well, was right on the fence. There. That's crazy too. Well, well, it's not, but until you listen, easy to say. Now do okay. it. Well, my point was Andy Dalton can't throw the ball downfield, but let's go through the top ten. It's a fair a- point. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Drew Brees. Um, Big Ben. Big Ben is right there. Is right there. Be- compared to Flacco? No, he's. I'm putting him basically in order. Right there in what? Oh, okay. I thought you were saying that Joe Flacco and Ben Roethlisberger, meh, they're about even, Steven. At that point, I, I'll give Matty Ice a slight edge over Flacco, and I think you finish out your top ten with, uh, how many is that, seven so far or eight? I am, uh, uh, to be honest with you, I am currently looking up uh, all the names right now. So I've got I... Eli is right there. And then I think you wrap up with Flacco, Romo. Have a nice day. That's 10. And I left the rookies off for right now. How could, well, listen, what about Cam Newton? You'd rather have Je- you'd rather have Joe Flacco than you would Cam Newton. I'm just talking about how they've played in the NFL so far. Not if I had a draft and who I would take. I would say Joe Flacco's played at a higher level than Cam Newton. Yeah. What about you did throw out you did you did say Rodgers. Yeah. You do have him. What about I mean is it listen. It is tough, you're right, cuz I want to put Andrew Luck and RG3 in there, but This is what people there. do. Well, but what else they do is they talk in a vacuum. People say, "Oh yeah, Joe Flacco's uh he he's got to be a top 10 QB. He's got to be a, he's worth that money. You got to say he's he's top uh top <laughs> earner among QBs. Hey, he just won the Super Bowl. It's what have you done for me lately?" Boy, that's going to really corrupt that franchise, isn't it? To pay him $20 million a year, unless it's one of those, you know, those things get murky when the QB, I mean, Tom Brady does that and Roethlisberger did that a year or two ago, where their contracts are malleable enough that you can then take money off of it. But still, $20 million to Joe Flacco, boy, oh boy, he better play like Aaron Rodgers and and Tom Brady for the next five years to justify that because that defense, as we've seen, is not what it was. Not to say it can't bounce back, but, you know, some questionable pieces there. Torrey Smith, I, Anquan Bolden is old, even if he does come back. He's He doesn't have more than another season or two. Ray Rice is, you know, still in his prime, but, I mean, it's Torrey Smith, Ray Rice, and Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco has to be gangbusters because you have to give up depth and everything else uh, around the field in favor of Flacco. I have no pity uh, sorry. I have no pity for the Ravens though because they got 4 years of Flacco taking him to the playoffs, having some ups and downs but be- proving that he was a good quarterback you can build around and they chose to let him play out that contract year and now they're now they're going to pay for it. He could have been making what? Philip Rivers type money if they did a deal last year. Yeah. And now they're going now they're getting screwed on it, but you know, that that was their decision. Ty, Ty, quickly, before we wrap up, tell me, tell, what, am, am I crazy? I mean, Joe Flacco is not a top 10 QB. I, I would lean towards he is. <laughs> You're fired. I mean, Ty, Ty is back behind the glass, by the way, in case you missed the melodrama of 131, episode 131. Blue tie was not here. Right. <laughs> yeah, blue tie was. Wow, well, listen, just agree with me. That's the right thing to do. No, Joe Flacco's not a top ten QB. What are you guys crazy? Thank you. Much better. <laughs> wow. Much better played there. Hanzus, how yeah. say you on this? Quickly, fella. I would say that Flacco is a top fifteen QB, but I wouldn't put him in the top ten. Uh, I want to see. I want to. I want to be able to. I wish I could. Uh, 
take because I want to list them off. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Peyton Manning, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson. Oh, what about Stafford versus Joe Flacco? Definitely take Flacco right now. Same. Yeah. What about? I take Flacco over Russell Wilson too. At least, oh man, that's tough. But before, at least up to now, yes. Well. You also are playing a little fast and loose by creating the caveat, well, what have, what have they done so far? But, of course, you would rather have Kaepernick. You'd rather have Russell Wilson. Well, I think what Flacco Andrew does point Luck, out definitely. is that all these quarterbacks are worth $25, 30000000 And that, that's the problem is they're worth much more than they make. I mean, I think Tom Brady's probably worth $40 million. The, the NFL salary cap does a good job of keeping their salaries down. Uh, in terms of how much value Flacco adds. Imagine if he was on the open market. I mean, how much would he make? He would make $20 million. So that's at least. So that's, that's but his value. A, but, uh, yeah, I, well, that, that sort of logic of, hey, he's worth what somebody's willing to give him is is fine. But so what? The Arizona Cardinals are overpaid to get any quarterback. I mean, that, that, they're in a position now where they're, where they're desperate and would do something like that. That doesn't mean that that's, if you want to be a perennial contender, that that's a wise move to make. That's all I mean, though, is quarterbacks are worth that much. And since he's a young guy who's hitting free agency at the right time, he's going to get what he wants. Tell me this. Phil Rivers versus Joe Flacco. Oh, Flacco at this point right now? Listen, I think Flacco's deal for $20 million a year may seem obscene to you now. But if he continues to progress three years from now, that's going to be a bargain. Hand Zeus. Yeah, three years ago I would have said Rivers, but uh, Flacco I think is What about Eli? Team. Uh, that's a tougher one. Flacco's younger, so I'd go with Flacco. Skill set wise, what does Flacco not have that you want? He's a slow with the trigger. Some pretty athletic plays on the run in the Super Bowl to win yeah, the Super no, Bowl. No, absolutely. And uh, Anquan Bolden deserved. Uh, like I said, you know, you could have really made him the MVP because he made some really physically strong catches that made Flacco look good. But uh, no doubt, Flacco didn't turn the ball over either. Yeah, but listen, I admire what Flacco did. I give him full credit. The point I'm making is is that it should um, encourage the likes of Bengals fans to say, well, listen, if Flacco can do it, I understand it's not apples to apples. Flacco has a hose. Andy Dalton does not. But if Flacco, <laughs> given what you would, how you would describe him and his inconsistency and his inaccuracy, if Flacco can string together a month like that, then why can't Andy Dalton? And why can't almost anybody? I mean, can Matt Schaub? Who wins a title? Does any of these guys, do any of these guys win a title? Jay Cutler? Phil Rivers? Andy Dalton, Matt Schaub. Do any of those guys win a title before they're through? Sessler. Well, I think Schaub is a perfect candidate for one year from now. The guy that we're all down on has a big season. But I don't like the offense that they're in for him to do what Flacco just did. Flacco is the strongest arm in the league. All right. I think Cutler has a shot. Out of that group, I would say he wins one. Hanzoos? I think they're all capable if they have a good team built around them, but I don't think any of them are in that you know, top echelon of guys that so the but so so then ultimately, I think we all are in agreement that if you're in the top two thirds, if you if you if you uh, are in the sixty sixth percentile of quarterbacks in the NFL, you can win. And in on some level, I hear what you're saying, Rosenthal, that you want to have that guy who is the so called elite and all that hokum. But on the other <laughs> hand, Joe Flacco and Eli have kind of blown the doors, off, and Alex Smith have kind of blown the doors off that logic. But Matt Schaub and Andy Dalton, I don't know if they can raise their – Flacco just played 
unbelievable for a month. He had to play that well for them to win the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't think Schaub and Dalton and maybe even Rivers at this point has that extra gear. His, his ceiling, to use one of those overused draft terms, is, is so high. Whereas those quarterbacks, I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with twenty. I don't think you would have won with Alex Smith. But that's why I think because their defense wasn't that good. That's why though, because I think a year ago we could have you could have inserted Flacco into that comment, and we, no one would have batted an eyelash. It's like who is the guy that no one respects that is going to go on some torrid run that no one expects and win a Super Bowl? You have to be talking about disappointing quarterbacks. Think about Eli before that first Super Bowl. Everybody kind of thought he was a disappointment. Well, that's why I think the window, I, I think that now guys like uh, the door is now open for Tony Romo, <laughs> for Matt Schaub, and guys like that. I think they absolutely now think, should be encouraged by what they've seen the last couple of years. And I think Romo's a perfect example. If they ever put the team around him, I could see him playing lights out in January. Oh, I'm a Romo sort of, guy, but I really think I could see I him. I am not a Romo guy, and yeah. I uh, last week wrote a piece putting the Cowboys into the playoffs in 2013 <laughs> and got all sorts of uh, business from people about it. I think there are a couple of pieces on the offensive line away from winning that division next year. All right. Greg Rosenthal, last question for for you. Best bite of food you had in New Orleans in Super Bowl week? I have to say it was the crispy pork belly thing that we ate at Coquette. I gave mm-hmm. you a little taste of that. Yes, That was did. unbelievable. Oh, it was like time. How was it fed? How was it fed to Dave? <laughs> by hand, by same fork. I had to. I had to just say, you guys. Ha- I was with Dave and, and Handsome Hank, and uh, I had to have them have a taste. It was yeah. just. It was just unbelievable. It was a heavenly night in every way possible. <laughs> True Rosenthal. It was a magical evening. It was a delicious. It was the best meal I had all week. We had a delicious meal. <laughs> we had a zany time in New Orleans. All right. So Dan Hansus, Mark Sessler. Thank you from uh, the oh the debate club is coming up momentarily so Rosenthal and I'll will scram and uh, Ty Ty will bring you home from there or, or you bring in your usual guy your who's your usual producer Crystal yeah. is our usual girl well actually I believe Alex Wilk which who is necktie no he's Wilk Ty Wilk. please don't don't uh, don't get involved in these things if you don't understand what's going on Rosenthal actually I lied that wasn't the last question. last question who do you like better Sessler or Hansus? I can't answer that. <laughs> Damn you. Damn you. All right. Um, around the league, you track it down, NFL.com, as I always say. Up to the minute, every piece of news for a football fan, you see it, and it's always delivered with a touch of mirth, which I always appreciate. So thanks to uh, Hanzoos and Cecil. We look forward to the debate club momentarily. Greg Rosenthal in from NYC. Enjoy your time out here. Thanks for jumping into 66. And the tie tie who I think is going to have to step down next week and cede control to uh, to black tie. But we're going to have it out. We're going to figure this tie rack jazz out. Blue tie, tie tie, wilk tie. Lots of acrimony going on on the tie rack. we got to resolve this thing. We can't have this – is a, this is a house of peace. I don't want war here <laughs> and the Dave Damashek football program. All right, so – with that being said, thanks to Ray Rice and uh, everybody else already named four or five times. Take it away, Debate Club. Burn on. Hands Zeus and Mr. Fancy Pants. The Flames need NFL news and here's their chance. It's ATL around the league. Light a flame, boys. Pig skin's hot tonight. Burn. Thanks, Dave. Welcome back to the ATL Debate Club. Dan Hans is here, joined, as always, by Mark Sessler. 
We have a special debate club today in studio, Seattle Seahawks, Pro Bowl cornerback Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, welcome to the show. I uh, appreciate you guys having me. This is very, this is, we are not what you would call, you know, high rent podcast in the sense that we don't usually have guests. So this is a big <laughs> deal for us to have like a star NFL it player. Is, it is. Um, I just want to say, just to get going here, as I admire you personally, as growing up as a kid, um, my family used to kind of get on me a little bit for my ability to kind of cause trouble, right? <laughs> and this happened like on the wiffle ball field, for instance, but it also happened at parties and such. Like I would Surprising. be... Surprising. Yeah, well... I'd be a little bit of a troublemaker. They called me Stinky Davis. Oh, no. Okay. My name's not Davis, but they called me Stinky Davis. And in, on some level, you are the Stinky Davis of the NFL. Uh-huh. You have the ability to both push buttons and kind of get what you want. Would you say that's a fair? I'd say that's a fair assessment. I don't know if I want to go by Stinky Davis. but <laughs> Yeah, actually, I never thought of it. Maybe did I, maybe I had an odor problem. Maybe that yeah, it might have been well. referring to something else. You know, we, um, we're going to Combine next week. Yep. And it, whether you're covering it, but especially for you guys, you know, going through the process of that and the draft process, such a rigmarole, you're under such a microscope. And it seems with you, you're drafted 154th overall in the fifth round. They got it so wrong. I mean, is the combine slash draft process, is it a bit of a sham? It, that's all it is, is a sham. I mean, they, the players that are going to be hyped are going to be hyped. You, that's why you have half the first round as busts every year. You know, you can go from, from now until the end of time. Guys have somehow maneuvered their way into the first round, you know, maneuvered their way into to the spotlight. And oh, as long as this guy's talking about him, you know, at, you know, these guys talk about him all day, all night, all day, all night. It's kind of like, oh, that's why he went in the first round. Then when they're doing nothing in the league, nobody notices. They just don't say much about him. It's just like, oh, we didn't get that one wrong. He just needs time to develop. Then three years later, it's still time to develop. And then you got guys who come in prepared, ready, who didn't have hype. They might have came from southwest Idaho State. They might right. have come from, you know, Northwestern. They might have come from Stanford. They might have come from anywhere. But – they don't always take the time to to really go into the details and you know really really scout players and i think that's the problem do you think uh when you got your name called finally in the fifth round was there a part of you that thought to yourself wait you know i know i'm talented that it maybe i didn't play the game right you're talking about this idea of kind of getting your name out there was there a part of you that had regrets that maybe you didn't do all you could to kind of get yourself out there no, not at all. I, it was it was just maybe maybe I didn't have the right people pushing me or something. Maybe mm-hmm. I didn't have the you know didn't meet the right people. You know, I guess if mm-hmm. if you if you got uh, who are the guys who do the analyst right now for for uh, the draft? Uh, like Mel Kiper. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. You, if, if I got Kiper saying I'm the number one right. corner, then I'm the number one corner. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really matter if I'm play like the number one corner or if I'm picking things off or you know if he says I'm the number one corner, I'm the number one corner. So that that's kind of you know if if I if I would have got my name in those circles, how have th- would things have changed? Because even if guys have you know everybody has good film and bad film, you can show bad clips of anybody. I don't care who who you are. And you can show great clips of anybody. I don't care who you are. So that's not here nor there. But I think you know it's just not what you know. It's who you know right. these days. Um, spinning over to the the Seahawks, I actually Bobby Wagner was in in the NFL Network studios earlier this week, and I spoke with him. You know, you guys waxed the Niners in Week 16. You almost got out of the divisional playoffs. 
Um, I asked Bobby, I said, you know, do you think you're an NFC West favorite going into next season? And he said, yes, he thinks that's the case. He thinks you guys are have made the leap on that level. Do you think you guys will enter next season as the team to beat in the division? Um, hmm. I think we'll enter the season as we entered this season as a bunch of nobodies. Trying, right. <laughs> you know, a bunch of no-name players because that's what they'd say if you're not drafting in the first round. Apparently you're no-name. Right. Um, and that's just how we are. I mean – Favorites, not favorites. I really, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. I, I think we're going to end up being one of those teams that once again flies under the radar because we're in Seattle. You know, obviously we'll be kind of relevant because we have Russell. We have a pretty good defense, and they'll they'll find ways to to overlook it though, and we'll go right back under the radar. We'll we'll you know persevere though. On on some level though, that I guess you could say that narrative is now shifted. You're no longer Richard Sherman, the fifth round overlooked guy. You're now viewed as one of the best cornerbacks in football. Russell Wilson is no longer the short third-round pick. He's now a guy that, you know, even Mike Tannenbaum, the former Jets GM, said yesterday that he would take Wilson over Luck or RG3 if he had the chance. I mean, you guys now are on the radar. Wouldn't you say that? I'd say we're on the radar, but we're still those guys. Right. I'm still the fifth-round pick. Those things don't change. Just because we, we've proven that we should have been first-rounders doesn't mean we were first-rounders. You know, and we still have that, that, that chip, that anger, that, that drive. And that that's that's what separates our team. Um, you know, Bobby Wagner, the no name out of Utah State, the the what you what are you doing pick. You know, right, you, right, know right. What, you know, you know, these analysts were sitting there crashing our draft the last two years, and now they have to go go back and oh oh well, you know, at the time right. I thought you know no, you you guys <laughs> are terrible at your jobs, and <laughs> I don't know how you got them, um, but they 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 sit there and they make all these declarations and. They say all these things about these these given players when they don't have they really have no idea how they're going to play. You don't know these players from anybody else. You just think you know what you saw on tape because somebody put their name in in your face and told you talk about him. Right. You know, yesterday we we saw some comments from you actually about the team that you played and lost to finally in the playoffs, the Falcons. Roddy White, you called him an easy matchup, and you know we've watched the tape of that game a few times and from our angle you, you did have a good game and you certainly you didn't have there wasn't one receiver that came out and shut you down over the course of the season no one really let you up is, is there a guy out there that poses a biggest challenge for you is there one wide out that you say this guy I've got to do extra homework for this week well I mean that, that that's everybody that's it's the NFL that's everybody I mean I'm going to give everybody the respect they deserve because they're they're, they're all NFL receivers they're great, great receivers and to to not do my homework on every single one of them is to, to disrespect and to leave myself vulnerable mm. for, you know, people think, oh, you just go out there and play. You, I'm, I'm not going out there on talent alone. I, I sit there for hours and hours and hours and hours of a day. You know, we go through our film, we watch all that. You go home, sit there with my iPad going, you know. I mean, during the season, it's, it's really all I got to do. You know, I right. watch – three, four hours of film, play some Call of Duty, go to sleep, you know. Then what would make Roddy White an, an easy matchup? Because because his strengths are in their system, within their system. His strengths are not his own. Julio Jones' strengths are his own. Julio Jones is a is a dynamic playmaker. He can – he doesn't matter what system he, he's in, he's going to play well. If he's out wide, if he's in the slot, if he's, he's going to present problems. Roddy – can present problems for certain people, but he's a he's a product. Like he, during that game, for example, the play where, where, he, where he called the touchdown, you know, I it, the touchdown really wasn't on me. 
tell you the truth. But right. I'm not going to throw a teammate under the bus. No, I'm just sure. not that kind of player. I, yeah. I'll take I'll take whatever you know if that's what you guys want to say. That I'll take it. But they have to they had to bring him down. They had to bring him tight into the formation so we couldn't jam, so we couldn't press him because he had trouble with it. So that was the that was that's their way of like hiding him from from getting him away from the the big the big bad corners of Seattle, and that's 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 something you have to do when he can't get open otherwise. So that's why I say Julio. They don't have to do that with mm-hmm. Julio's going to stand outside those numbers and and go to work, and Roddy Roddy would have problems standing outside those numbers and going to work on us. Can you pick a top receiver in the league right now? I would say it, it, it's very tough. But Calvin Johnson, obviously, after the season he had, it's, it, it, it's no debating that right now. But I would say I would say Julio's in that discussion. I would say A.J. Green's right there in that discussion. You know, you, you talk about, you know, studying game film. Uh, do you do – because you are known, obviously, as a guy that likes to get under people's skin. I mean, do you do any due diligence heading into a week on, you know, what guys you could push buttons or do you know and do you talk to any other people around the league? Like, you know, is this guy easy to get to or is it something you figure out on the field as the game's kind of rolling along? It's something you figure out on the field as yeah. the game's rolling because you kind of you kind of go with the flow of the game, you right. know. That's the only way you can frustrate guys, you know. It's not like the Carolina game with Steve Smith. It's not like, you know, I'm going into that like, oh, you know, obviously I heard the stories about Steve Smith. He likes to, you know, fight and do all that. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine. That's fine, Danny. I have no problem with that. And But, you know, I was going to just play the game and, and go. And once all the wrestling stuff started, it kind of gave me fuel right. for it. Because, I, you know, all that doesn't mean anything to me. You know, you can throw me to the ground, do all you want. But during these plays, when inside of football, I'm going to dominate. Right. So and that's what I told him, <laughs> and that that frustrated him. So I'm like, you can win the fight. I, this is not WWF. I don't get any points for that. Right. I get points for shutting you down. Um, have you gotten a call uh, from uh, Cortland Finnegan, and he's like, "Hey, man, you know, I used to be the guy everybody wanted to beat, but now like you've wiped them <laughs> off the, the face of the earth. Now you're that guy. You're like the preeminent pest of the league. You know, has he reached out to you? No, he hasn't. He hasn't. <laughs> but I definitely don't want to be known as the preeminent pest. I want to be known as the best. So that's that's one thing that's that's kind of getting getting old it's getting you know it's it's getting a little tiring because people people are starting to oh trash talk trash talk mm-hmm. trash talk uh i'm all pro so right. <laughs> let's get past the trash you know what i mean i'm at the end of the day i'm an all pro and that's that's i i get like I, like people would say i get the right to you know right, some right. earn that yeah I mean, as part of that, you have to you, you you've been say a year ago relatively unknown to the average football fan. I think now you're encroaching upon household name in the sense that you're on a playoff team. You're one of the best at your position in football, but you've had to do a lot of work. I think in terms of reaching out with the media and kind of explaining who you are and your own story. Is is that part of being uh, the best? You have to really make a, a campaign in the media itself, or can you just be quiet and just go about your job? Some people can. Some people can be quiet, and, and but they're usually drafted in the first round. They're usually right. given a household name right. and don't have to do anything to make it. In, but when you're drafted in the fifth round, regardless of how well you play, you're ignored regard, you know, because you're just a fifth rounder. Right. And you might have eight interceptions, but that's just an aberration. aberration. That's, that's, uh, you know, yeah. that's, not, that's not consistency. And so other, you know, without, without the Tom Brady thing, you mad, bro, people were like, oh, who is this guy talking all this trash? <laughs> it's like, he's just a nobody. He sucks. And then you actually look and you actually have to pay attention and realize, oh, wait, he's pretty good. Right. Maybe we should have been paying attention a long time ago and not say 
took this guy in the fifth round. I think one of the things about the, the Brady situation, too, was, yes, because in some ways that was the takeoff point where people that maybe didn't follow the game closely and didn't realize how good you were on the field was like, oh, this guy is interesting character. I mean, on some levels, Tom Brady is – he is like the patron saint of the league. And for Richard Sherman to go after Brady and, the you know, to have that viral – hit with the with the photo i mean it's almost like you were like a counterculture guy going after somebody that's a sacred cow did you did you maybe uh, understand as you were doing that that it would cause that type of furor i mean i i did i did i did because but i think people have a have a misconstrued sense of who tom brady is you know i I think they have a misconstrued sense of who a lot of nfl players are because you judge you judge men off of players you know off of a, a game Right, and I think that's not the way you know. You should ever judge anybody. You should judge people off of who they actually are. I mean, it's a football game. If you judged everybody off their job, you know, it'd be some pretty pretty harsh judgments made on some pretty great people. Mm. So, I think I think that's kind of you know they they some people treat him like God like, which is ridiculous. There, right. somebody somebody tweeted me like like you're going to talk to the God like that. You're going to it's like <laughs> the God. You guys, you guys have a little like you're taking it a little far, don't you think? That like, wasn't Giselle that tweeted you, was it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it, it, it it's starting to get ridiculous. So I I kind of I kind of wanted people, you know, to to start to distinguish what a football player is on the field from what he is off the field. We're still human beings. Now, so I hear you don't want to be perceived incorrectly as a pest, and you don't want people to look at Brady as something he isn't. So why don't you explain, you know, when you walk out of this football career 10 years from now, 12 years from now, who who do you want to be remembered as? As a as – a, as a, hmm, as a precocious young man, <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a precocious, talented football player, one of the best to play the game. And uh, that, that's why I'm trying to get past this trash talking because people put so much emphasis on it. And that's fine. I have no problem with it. But don't overshadow my game with, mm-hmm. with, with this because it's, it's, it's kind of like you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to water down the, what I've actually put on tape. And how fair is that? You know, I, it's not like I haven't put out great tape. So I'm trying to get people to get past the trash talking and all that and take a look at the film. Take a look at that. Know me as a great football player, one of the great, the best in the game, mm-hmm. and then say what you say what you may. Richard Sherman is one of the best of the game, and we are out of time because the man has to go because he's a busy guy. <laughs> he's busier than we are. Well, yes. thank you very much. Thanks for having Fun. me. All right, so uh, Richard Sherman walking out the door. Your thoughts, Dan? My thoughts were first of all, he has a bow tie, which was a little bit distracting. Uh, because in a I'm, delightful way, though, right? No, well, yeah, no. The, the man, the man is a good interview. Keeps eye contact, but I couldn't keep my eyes off that bow tie. And how much better dressed he was than you, for instance, is the other person in the room that I could see. Well, you know, you're a you're a clothes horse. Not every <laughs> not every male in in the studio or listening to the show is a clothes horse. So that's going to be a separate be the, battle for you. I would be the first clothes horse that has like seven shirts ever. Um, let me say something about uh, also Sherman, and I, f- I find him to be a fascinating dude because he's he's now the type of player <clears> – <throat> I'm not going to put him in Deion Sanders' class in terms of iconic player, but he's a cornerback that you – there's a game within a game when you're watching him. And, um, you know, I brought up that the idea that he's the NFL's preeminent pest, which I don't think he was necessarily, like, fond of that term. But, um, you know, I like the idea that he was – you know, Cortland Finnegan used to be that guy, 
You know what I'm saying? Remember, yeah. everybody used to want to kill Cortland Finnegan. Yeah, constant and, fist fights. And he's still in the league, by the way. He signed a huge contract last year with the Rams, and he's doing his thing. But it's almost like Cortland Finnegan is hair metal, and Richard Sherman is grunge, and it's like Nirvana blowing hair metal away, and it doesn't even exist anymore. On some level, Richard Sherman is Kurt Cobain, and Cortland Finnegan is uh, Brett Michaels. Well, I mean, I get the Seattle reference, number one. And from Seattle. Yeah. But I didn't bring that up because okay. I, for some reason I didn't think Richard Sherman would connect with my hair metal grunge analogy. Right, or the you know the 15 to <clears throat> 17 years of music that have transpired since. But uh, no, it is, it is a <laughs> Wait, What year is it? It's been I don't like know. 25 years. I don't know. It's like I'm talking like the <laughs> 90s here. But no, I think, it's, I think you're right. Like there, there was a changing of the guard is what you're saying. And right. Like, um, but I think what I heard from him too, which was actually refreshing, was he said, it's not how I – want to go out there and be remembered. I mean, he's a couple things have triggered this season that put a, put him in that boat, and he's going to have a tough time getting out of it in terms of public perception. But it's clear he's not, um, well, at least in terms of what he said to us, he's not fueled by m- making that his image with nothing else. It seems like his game is most important to him. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Hey, uh, Wilk behind the glass today. Wilk, uh, anyone in uh, Richard Sherman's sizable entourage have anything negative to say about us? Just curious. Uh, I wouldn't say so. Uh, you got a you got a bit of a, a heckling from our our uh, Booker Marcus Smith for saying that that was the quickest, most abrupt goodbye in the history of podcasts. Marcus Smith coming to say abrupt goodbye. It was the first time we ever had a guest. It's what are we supposed to do? Like hug on air? Uh, you know, do some type of also, handshake, fist pound hug? Yeah, yeah. And also, these guys have to do seven different stops. We're just trying to help him get out, get some fresh air. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, come on. We're not, uh, you know, diluted enough to think that Richard Sherman actually wanted to be in this room with us. <laughs> he was booked. We wanted him in the room. He did a great job talking to us. Speaking of abrupt endings, this ATL Debate Club is over. It's over. So uh, we will see you soon down the road. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.